0: One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time.
1: Screen time, screen time. It's my
0: screen time too. Screen time, screen time, screen time Hello, and welcome to time, It's My Screen Time Two, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah. And I'm Katie. And I have three
2: kids Tony is 12, and Libby and Nate are nine. And I have two kids Jay is six, and Kenny is three. Our kids are pretty adorable, aren't they, Deborah? They are. We both like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. Deborah, what have your kids been up to this week?
0: Okay, this is a cute kid's story plus a Curtis Sittenfeld adjacent story. No,
2: no, we- no.
0: Just <laughs> tell a different one. Tell a different one. So Nate is my biking buddy. And so some evenings in the summer, we'll, after dinner, we'll go on a bike ride. There's a little lake that's close to our house. And there's like a ice cream stand halfway from our house, which is perfect. So we bike to the ice cream stand. I buy him ice cream. We listen to music. We watch the sailboats. We bike home. And the last time I took him there, so Curtis Sittenfeld lives in Minneapolis, and I am pretty sure that I saw her, although I wasn't like, I was like 90% sure. So I made Nate stand by his bike so I could try to get a picture of Curtis Sittenfeld in the background.
2: (laughs) So you're not one of those people that's comfortable, like going up to a celebrity you admire and just expressing your admiration?
0: Well, I told my friend Amy, friend of the pod, about it, and I'm pretty sure that Curtis Sittenfeld, like, was on to my kind of weird staring behavior, and Amy was like, you should just tell her you're a fan next time, and I, I I don't know, can I bring myself to do that? Maybe. Can I ask for a selfie? I don't know. Well, what if it wasn't Curtis Sittenfeld? That would be really weird. <laughs>
2: Well, then I think the stranger, the anonymous stranger would probably be flattered if they knew who Curtis Sittenfeld was.
0: Oh, I would love to be mistaken for a famous novelist.
2: Sure. I am also not the kind of person who can coolly approach famous people because I assume that they are going to hate me internally or reject me outright. Yeah. But I do have a cute kid story. Let's hear it. Okay. So yours involved ice cream. Mine involves slightly more adventurous eating choices. You know we struggle with picking eating here in my household. Mm -hmm. So randomly on Monday night, I was going to order some takeout for myself and just like have the rest of the family (laughs) eat something boring. And Jay said that he really wanted to try some sushi. Ooh! Uh, like, I didn't encourage him to say this. He just said it himself. So I got super excited. And of course, I way over ordered sushi from the delivery sushi <laughs> place. And like only the blandest, most kid friendly sushi. So like stuff that I would only kind of sort of like if I'm just ordering for myself, which was, mm-hmm. you know, the plan to begin with was to order food that I would like. Right. And then, of course, the sushi comes and he's so cute. He takes like one bite of a corner of a salmon roll and it's like, not my favorite. And then he takes like one bite of a corner of something else and he says, not my favorite. And then that's it. And then I'm stuck with like smoked salmon and cream cheese roll.
0: (laughs) Is, Is sushi good? I've never had like enough sushi to have leftover sushi. Is it a leftover food or do you kind of have to eat it
1: all?
2: I saved some in this case because there was definitely stuff that wasn't just raw fish. Like I'm fine having leftover imitation crab. <laughs> like, I yeah, think or like avocado the roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's probably fine. I mean, sushi purists would probably poo poo it, but I don't see why not.
0: Well, I'm glad that he gave you a glimmer of hope for the future. Thanks. I don't know. It's we hard keep, hard. we always tell our kids that you have to try a food that's not your favorite, like a bunch of times for you to start liking it. Yeah. So this was one of 10 or 30
2: before <laughs> he's fully on the sushi train. Yes. It was fun, if not ideal. <laughs> Listeners if there's one thing we've learned in our years of covering all things screen time it's that there's no one size fits all solution for every parent every kid or every family and that the research telling us how to use screens with our kids is spotty at best just like with everything else we've all got to figure out what works best for us sometimes what works for Deborah and me will not be what works for you. And with that in mind, I am thrilled to welcome our guest today, who is going to turn all my recent Marvel hatred on its head (laughs) with the unique and special way she approaches the Marvelverse MCU. What do I call it?
1: Yes, it is the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay,
2: listeners, the MCU. Please welcome Bree Wilman, mom to two boys aged 9 and 11. Welcome Bree. Thank you, thank you. So let's just jump right in. When did you first introduce your kids
1: to the MCU? So when my oldest Bradley was 4, he got really into Power Rangers. It was on a streaming service and he wound up like binge watching like 10 seasons worth of Power Rangers. And I noticed that he could handle it. I think because in Power Rangers, they go from human people to something else before the violence happens. There's that disconnect of like, oh, that's not something I can do. That's something I can do if I'm this other person. Um, so that was right around when like Star Wars The Force Awakens was coming out and Avengers Age of Ultron. So I think it that's about like 10 movies in at that point. So that was my personal brand of nostalgia, like the the Star Wars, like the big action movie. So we went and saw both, and he preferred the Avengers. Um, so we went from there. It happens really quickly. There's a lot of action as opposed to Star Wars, which leans a little bit heavier on plot. And I do have to say uh, that his birthday is on Star Wars Day, so that was a bit crushing that he chose not to like Star Wars. Aww.
2: So tell the truth it was really an effort to get power rangers off the tv in your home right a (laughs) hundred percent
1: i had a four-year-old having a power rangers birthday party but it wasn't what you know every season is a different theme Uh so it's not like it's a continuous over 10 years so you have to meet new characters every season it's a whole thing and for his birthday he wanted something From each season. Wow. (laughs) I'm like, I can't, I'm extra, but this is just too much. And now I'm in the MCU, which just keeps expanding. So don't know if I won on that. So when you discovered that
2: the Avengers were his jam, did you go back and start at the beginning or did you just jump off from there knowing that there would be more content coming?
1: We just jumped off from there. At that point, it was mostly... It was the original Iron Man, the original Thor, the original Hulk. And I just wasn't interested in those stories. They didn't, I didn't grow up reading those comics. I was an X-Men girl. So it wasn't anything that uh, really interested me. But after that, we watched all the movies. So it really was, that was our jumping off point, And then we went from there. We've since watched them all, but not at that time. Do you think watching the
2: original movies with your son gave you more of an appreciation for them than you would have had otherwise?
1: I think I definitely saw it from a less adult lens. So the criticisms that I have about the more adult movies that I see, you know, oh, the, the cinematography was bad or, you know, the, the acting really could have been tighter here. I'm less critical, which makes me enjoy it more. I guess the flip
2: side of that is, how do you tackle the more mature topics as they come up with him? Like, do you find that he's still just totally unfazed by the violence and you don't really have to address
1: it? Or do you you talk about it at all now that he's getting older? So violence kind of goes in two categories for me. It's either the hand-to-hand combat or the fantastical. And Marvel is definitely more fantastic. That's not to say there aren't issues with hand-to-hand, like in in Black Panther, someone gets their throat slit, there's no blood, but it's very violent, and it's hand-to-hand. So I don't really ever feel the need to discuss how the laser shooting out of the lady's hand blew up the building, but in the more, in the Phase 4, the more recent shows and, and movies that have come out, there have been more topics that we can discuss. So for example in Falcon and, Win- and the Winter Soldier, there's issues with PTSD. there's issues with you know what happens to veterans when they come back. There's an amazing scene with Anthony Mackey's character Falcon and his sister. they're at a bank trying to get a loan. And the loan officer is like, oh my gosh, Falcon's here, this is so cool, and still denies his loan because he was, while he was serving his country, he didn't get a paycheck, and so he doesn't have credit for the past, you know, five years. And those are very real issues that I'm happy Marvel is acknowledging because it makes this world more real. But unfortunately, on the flip side, it makes the violence more real, the more real you make the world. So like in Hawkeye, the TV show, uh, Kate Bishop's house got destroyed in it as a casualty of the Avengers Battle of New York. So there are repercussions to this violence that aren't addressed in those early movies. So it's definitely something now that now that Marvel's addressing it, I'm realizing, hey, I probably could have talked about the fact that those townspeople, you know, lost all their buildings. But at the time, everything was so big. So it's definitely something as they've gotten older, we talk about more, which is usually the opposite. You know, you want to nip those things in the bud early. But I feel like as they make the world more real, it's allowing for more realistic conversations.
2: I love that. It feels like Marvel is kind of helping you do that heavy lifting as they move forward with the franchise. Speaking of the franchise, maybe we should just rewind a little bit and could you take us through because you you're mentioning phase four and my eyes are already goggling <laughs> because I'm like, whoa. I was vaguely aware that we had departed phase one, but in big blocks, like what are the chunks that this cinematic universe has gone through? And do we have an idea of the trajectory moving forward, I guess?
1: Yes. Um so phase one is iron man to the first avengers movie so there's a lot of character introduction every film though is made to stand alone it definitely didn't start as like okay we're phase one they just were what they were so there wasn't a lot of continuity between the movies like there is now there weren't easter eggs They really were just, this is a Marvel property, and we're going to make a film about it. Phase two is Iron Man 3 to Ant-Man. So this is a lot more character development, the introduction of some darker, uh, you've got Thor Dark World, you've got Captain America Winter Soldier, which really looks into the issues of, you know, government testing and, and starts that, you know, repercussive conversation. And then phase three is Captain America Civil War, to spider-man far from home so that's the phase like we just came out of and that's really the big blockbuster huge ensemble you know introducing side characters and just making it bigger and bigger and bigger and phase four started with wandavision so it's really the covid phase and it's got the most diverse casting and stories being told as well as tones so you've got something like WandaVision which is completely different than anything that Marvel had put out so far. But so is every show that they've put out since, you know, Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, and now uh, Miss Marvel. And the movies are also reflecting that. The most recent Doctor Strange multiverse of madness movie is a straight up horror movie. Like that one really, you know, took me off guard because of how different it is from that kind of formulaic, Uh, Marvel movie. Do you think, is there an
2: element of like crass calculation in this phase four where they're like, okay, so our marquee names from like when we first built this universe are moving on to other projects or aging out of the franchise. Uh, We have to do something to introduce new characters. Like we may as well throw whatever we can at the wall and see what sticks.
1: Well, that's the beauty of Marvel is they have this wonderful foundation of 60 years of comics. So the comics have been far more progressive than the movies and and TV shows for way longer. I mean, there's always been a She-Hulk. There's always been a Lady Thor. Miss Marvel is from the eighties and she always was an Asian American woman. So the comics are rife for taking from. Um, so they really, rather than being limited by the actors and the age and, and all the progression that you spoke of, it's more, how many characters can we include from all of the comics and not make this so disjointed? And I think that is something that they're struggling with because it keeps building. There's a, there's a big bad and that he was Thanos and they kind of dealt with him. And now they don't really have one right now. It's just kind of infinite space itself and the multiverse it's, it's kind of getting out of my comfort zone in sci-fi, but I think they really missed the mark with the multiverse of madness because there wasn't a resolution, Mm -hmm. Uh, no spoilers, but it didn't end in a way that it was building up to. So. Luckily, these TV shows are, are just lovely, because I think that they're going to run into some issues as the movies progress.
2: Now that we do have the movies and the TV shows, and they're available in all these different forms, and we're simultaneously introducing all these new characters, do you still feel the obligation to watch every new thing with your kids, or at least with your older son as they come out, or... Is there more of a freewheeling sense that you can pick and choose since they might not be as intimately connected, at least right now, as uh, some of the earlier phases have been?
1: Well, I wish I had a choice. (laughs) My 11-year-old is amazing. He and I wake up. We have an alarm set for every Wednesday when the shows come out. So that we can watch it before we get we wake up early we watch before school, then when he comes home from school we talk about it and then we go on, you know YouTube or whatever and watch all the, you know, Easter egg breakdowns, it is our thing, it is our jam. So I was not personally excited for the Miss Marvel series just because, um, you know, a teenage girl from Jersey it's fine, it's great. I'm happy she's there, but it was kind of meh for me. But I have watched every single one that Wednesday morning because I will not miss our date. I'm hoping it carries us into the teen years. I love
2: that. that sounds so, so, much. so special. Yeah. I love
1: that. And like when Multiverse of Madness came out, you know, like so we are going to be in Canada for a couple of weeks during the release of Thor, Love and Thunder. And they're like, we got to find a, a movie theater and like, we got to, you know, make sure that we don't miss it. Dah, dah, dah. So it's become a family thing that we watch together. So, so yes, it's not always what I want to watch, but I will never say no to them wanting to spend time with me watching it and discussing it. Does your older son then like vet with you the ones that he thinks his younger brother is going to want to watch? <laughs> yes, actually. And it's funny because he really does take it into consideration. So we'll watch it in the morning and, you know, he decided WandaVision wasn't for, for, for his brother. He's you're not going to like this, you, you know, or, you know, wait till they're all released so you can watch them in a row. They're easier to follow. Cause my nine-year-old doesn't love the week to week format. He's very much of the generation. I got to watch it all at once. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's cute to see their interactions as well, even in their imaginary play you know, which they still do. It's, oh, you be this superhero and I'll be this superhero. And who do you think would win? Like, there's still super fun conversations that happen around it.
2: I love that so much. It's a real family affair. My
1: husband's not quite on (laughs) board. He thinks we're all very nerdy. (laughs) I was just going to ask, has this
0: seeped into your Halloween costumes and have you ever done a family Marvel? We have been a family
1: of Marvel twice. (laughs) (laughs) Different ones each time. Yes. So, and we have just other costumes in the house for just random playtime. Less so now, more when they were, you know, maybe seven and nine. I can't quite get my almost sixth grader into a, a Spider-Man costume anymore, mm-hmm. but he'll wear the branded gear. So, <laughs> <laughs> although, cause I've only watched the pilot of Miss
2: Marvel so far, but like, was he watching them like c- meticulously creating this Captain Marvel costume and being like, Oh, maybe I need to get into airbrushing.
1: <laughs> well, th- and that's kind of the reason I I do like this new series for kids who are aware of Marvel, because there's a whole cottage and it's not cottage anymore YouTube is filled with people like her who are cosplaying who are doing breakdown videos I mean it really is a form of entertainment now that there's podcasts and, and YouTube shows and it's all over TikTok so they're already exposed to this so so having this character be a content creator was brilliant on Marvel's part because they already love all that it's already what they like and so now it's it feels like you're doing that with somebody you already know because you're familiar with what a content creator is oh my gosh anything
2: to give me as a parent a foothold into what the heck is going on with kids YouTube habits I really need (laughs) all of the introductory
1: materials I can get well now with YouTube short I'm just gonna vent real quick I hate YouTube shorts because my kids are not allowed to be on TikTok And they know why we talk about it. It's, it's not just that you could be exposed to something. It's that 30 seconds at a time is no way for your brain to function. I know what it does to me. I'm on it for hours. I'm the, you know, test case. And, you know, I'm like, I don't like that I do this. So now that YouTube shorts exists, I have to be much more cognizant of their screen time watching it because it used to be, they would watch a 20 minute video about a kid talking about this one scene in this one show. And now it's, 45 seconds and so unfortunately that is where it's shifting is this is the smaller things but there's so much out there about theories and and then of course having two white boys and then being on youtube as much as they are my son loves a conspiracy like that's fun and so marvel allows you to have conspiracies that are are pretty safe you know Mm -hmm. i don't think anyone is is making making decisions based on those theories but it's a it's a slippery slope it's a that is the conversation we have more often now is hey this is fun let's talk about some critical thinking you know let's even if even if in the context of a marvel you know spoiler let's let's see if that makes sense and it's the critical thinking that i think is the way you can protect your kids against those scary YouTube things. So it's it's definitely that critical thinking of, yes, technically, you know, correlation doesn't mean causation, and, and really reiterating that, um, which is the conversation we have more often than necessarily the content. It just feels like
2: such a relief to me that you are using these stereotypically two-dimensional, what I, as a very casual viewer would think of as two-dimensional superhero uh, movies and television shows to have a deeper, meaningful conversation about how to be in the world with your kids. I I find that to be so refreshing and, like I
1: said, honestly, a relief. <laughs> <laughs> you realize very quickly that they know what's happening. So they might not pick up on the, the throat slash, like that might not be the thing that they remembered from the movie. But they remembered that in Black Panther specifically that you know Wakanda had to protect itself from the rest of the world. Well why do you think that is? And when they went out into the world it went miserably. They're they're at war now. Well, why do you think that is? So the conversations that you can have about it aren't necessarily the posit and explain this particular reference. It's more when you watch them afterwards how are they bringing that into their lives? You know uh, with younger kids you can always see you know the the Spider-Man and the, the reason I like Marvel for younger kids is because a lot of the fighting is done with characters that are 20 feet away from each other. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of like hand gestures and like angry pointing and, you know, making circles and stuff. And so it's very safe play. And then if, you, if that turns into something more, you can intervene. But that was kind of my litmus test on how my boys were reacting was watching them play all of a sudden they're not trying to punch each other in the face they're trying to you know maybe throw something there's not a weapon other than the weird thing that's coming out of their hand so when i think about the violence in it that really is what what that line is there's not a ton of stopping and saying you know hey this is not the way this you know don't don't hit other people it's you know don't blow up buildings with your hands (laughs) An
2: important reminder for all children everywhere. (laughs) So for parents looking to introduce their kids to the MCU, do you think there's a particularly good spot that they can use as an on-ramp that isn't maybe necessarily you have to go all the way back to Captain America, the first Avenger or whatever?
1: Well, I think the best one is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse.
2: Oh, loved
1: it. It's the only animated and I think it's just, it's fun There's music in it. It's quick. The visually it's insane. And it's genuinely one of the best movies plot wise as well. So it's a really good one. And your kid is already seeing Spider-Man everywhere. My kids had Spider-Man underwear before they knew what Spider-Man was. it's so omnipresent that it's a nice one to kind of satisfy that. And then if you really wanna get into it, I would say start with the original Avengers and if, you li- if, you, if your kid likes a character, finds one that, that intrigues them, then you go and watch their solo stuff. And within their solo stuff are some other characters, so you can kind of branch from there. There is a big argument out there other, about whether you do it chronologically or release date, if you're going to watch it from the beginning. I'm on team chronological until you get to Black Widow then it messes it all up. And then the only other recommendation I have, as far as if you have a a casual fan in your house who just wants to watch something fun, Captain Marvel is my favorite. It is so fun. It introduced my kids to so much 90s music, which I love. And then Thor Ragnarok is really funny. It's Taika Waititi. Love everything he does. And then Spider-Man Homecoming is another really fun intro into this this world. And it's with a teenage boy, which is just sometimes easier than seeing, you know, an eccentric billionaire build a suit.
2: Yeah,
0: those are great recommendations. Thank you.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, Bree, thank you so
2: much for talking with us today. I feel like you've given us a lot of food for thought. I feel a lot better about introducing both my kids to Marvel in a more thoughtful way. Feels a little less overwhelming, a little less chaotic. And I really appreciate that.
1: No problem. Yeah,
0: same. This feels like a good summer, summer goals for screen 10 goals for my family. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brie. This was a really fun conversation. Yes, This was lovely,
2: and you'll have to come back and talk to us again soon. I'm sure we'll have like 80 years more Marvel content in the next six months.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, when I've traumatized your children because you've watched everything, we can talk again. (laughs) Oh no, my gosh, they'll be so grateful. They'll be like, someone convinced you
2: to let us watch these? (laughs) (laughs) That was so much fun, and I feel so jazzed about discussing the show we're reviewing today now me too let's move on to our main
0: order of business Ms. Marvel is a six episode miniseries on Disney plus the first episode dropped June 8 2022 with new episodes airing weekly As of recording, we have been able to see three episodes and they were all in the 45 to 50 minute range apiece. This is all lifted from Wikipedia because neither of us are familiar with the Ms. Marvel comics. The comic was created by editors Sana Armanat and Stephen Wackler, writer G. Willow Wilson, and artists Adrienne Alfona and Jamie McKelvey. Ms. Marvel first appeared in Captain Marvel number 14, published in August, 2013, before going on to star in the solo series, Ms. Marvel, which debuted in February of 2014. The first volume of Ms. Marvel won a Hugo Award in 2015, and Ms. Marvel is Marvel's first Muslim hero with her own comic. The show was created for television by Bisha K. Ali, who also wrote for Loki, which is another series in the MCU, and she also wrote for Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is like a Mindy Kaling reboot of the iconic Hugh Grant classic. So in this show, a Pakistani American teen who is obsessed with, the Captain, with Captain Marvel finds out that she has superpowers of our own. Why did we pick it Katie?
2: Well again as I mentioned in our interview with Brie I just have been like nothing but a downpour of downerness all over the MCU lately. I complain about it on the show all the time. I'm never excited to watch anything new that's coming out so I felt like if anything was going to get me excited about Marvel again this property had enough buzzwords to get me there. There's a young female protagonist. There's a storyline featuring people of color, which we don't often get in the Mm -hmm. comic space. So I thought if anything was going to push me over this ledge, it was going to be this. So we watched the first three episodes, uh, episode one, Generation Y,
0: episode two, Crushed, and episode three, Destined. We'll quickly go through the episodes one by one and then move on to our more general thoughts. Katie, take us away with a summary of episode one, please.
2: So in the first episode, we meet Kamala, her parents, her brother, and her best friends. I'm going to try to avoid any big spoilers. Um, So let's just say that the episode follows her quest to attend AvengerCon, which is a fan conference for all things Avenger-related, as the name might imply. She wants to attend against her conservative parents' wishes. Through methods, she ends up going... And while participating in a Captain Marvel costume contest, she discovers her own superpowers. And that's kind of where the first episode wraps up. What did you think about the pilot? Did it suck you in? It did. I think because I
0: didn't know anything about this. And like, it's a good teaser to know that she's going to have superpowers of some kind, but not to really know what they are. And they don't show up until the like the very end of the episode. So I liked that. It. It pulled me in. How about you?
2: Yeah, it definitely did. I kind of wanted to sit down with previous superhero origin story movies and like track how much exposition there generally is before the character gets their powers or before mm-hmm. the superheroiness of it becomes paramount. I was interested, more interested than I usually am in a superhero movie about like learning about Kamala's world and the people that populate it. So I didn't have a problem with the fact that the episode didn't actually get to the Ms. Marvel part of things until way at the end. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll get into later how we think that might affect other people viewing it, such as children or our children specifically, but I was Mm -hmm. there for it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Nice.
0: So I'll summarize episode two. So in this episode, Kamala and friends go to a Girl in their class named Zoe's party, and Kamala meets Kamala meets her crush, who's a new kid at school. And um, throughout the episode, she explores more of her superpower and its connection to her family history. And then her best friend runs for council because they want to make changes at their mosque. I know you
2: love the political storyline.
0: Oh, my gosh. Like, what other shows have you ever watched in your life that cover Partition? I know. I love...
2: And the- are critical of British colonialism. I loved the connection to actual history. It was really Yeah. Great. Yeah, same.
0: And like history that is not centered on white American majorities. It was it was good. Like I felt like one, I learned some stuff and two, it was very intriguing. And like we always talk about representation. I also liked that this was like a mosque. in a show where the people attending the mosque are not like terrorist bad guys.
2: It somehow managed to both present Kamala's being Muslim and attending mosque and observing in all the ways that she does as part of her everyday life as completely normal and unremarkable. Mm -hmm. But then it also flips it and really examines her struggles with having to represent her entire culture while also being a superhero. Mm -hmm. Like, it was a nice parallel to what we talk about a lot in representation in kids, TV, and movies. Like, we can't wait until we move forward to the point where a single entity does not have to stand in for an entire cultural group. So I thought that was a nice moment of meta-commentary. Right. What's that literary term? Synecdoche? Oh, yes. Well done. I would never have been able to pronounce it. Top prize for you. (laughs) uh do you want to summarize episode three sure okay so again trying my hardest not to get too spoilery in episode three destined kamala meets a group of people who she thinks can help her explore and explain her powers only to discover that they want to use her for their own purposes
0: does that sound too mysterious no that's fine i mean you don't you're you're trying not to spoil it
2: because it was all new and it's not like other superhero properties where I feel like so many of the quote-unquote surprises are already known, maybe mm-hmm. I'm tiptoeing around details a little bit too much. I don't know. Feel free to kick my butt if you think that's true. No, you're good. Uh, what did you think about this turn of events? This is really the first episode that had fight sequences. So, like, now we're getting into some more of the stuff that I consider to be typical of the superhero genre.
0: Yeah, the... This- Superhero stuff has been kind of on a slow burn up until this point. Me, I'm not a huge superhero movie or show person. So like I would honestly watch this without the superhero stuff. Um, so like it was fine, but it's not what I was yearning for. or like really holding, like waiting till it showed up, I guess. How about you?
2: Agreed. I found the introspection of the second episode uh, where Kamala was really Starting to think about how she could use her powers to help her community—way mm-hmm. more intriguing than the introduction of an external bad guy in the third episode. Mm-hmm. Although, tell me if you felt the same or if I am just a crazy person. There is an extended, like, kind of cat and mouse sequence in episode three that takes part. It takes place. In uh, an industrial kitchen, and all I could think of was Jurassic Park. Like, are we even allowed to stage things like this post nineteen ninety three? Like, all I could see was that like little girl with the like raptor coming around the side of those big silver cabinets the whole time it was going on. Oh yeah, I didn't draw that same parallel. That's that's a good reference. All right, should we move on to our thoughts about the? our overall thoughts about the show sure so
0: how about on just the general concept and plot did we like it I think I made it clear
2: from the jump that I was super prepared to like this mm-hmm. uh so it would have really had to have screwed the pooch for me to change my mind I was really relieved to have a fresh take on something that has felt so stale to me for so long mm-hmm. <laughs> how about yeah. you
0: I liked it a lot um I think just like the superhero archetype done in a different culture, gender than we're used to is good. Um, But just on a whole, like this show was really well-written. Like the character, like I can't think of a character that I didn't feel really intrigued by, entertained by, like all the characters really good. Um, The dialogue was fun um, in the, I thought it was well-directed. I really liked the main actor. We'll get into that.
2: Yeah, she had a nice profile. I don't know if it was in the New York Times. I'll try to find it and link to it on our socials about how excited she was for her first job to be on a Marvel property because she's a Marvel fan. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved that character so much because when you think about superhero origin stories and particularly teen superhero origin stories, the one that always comes to mind is Spider-Man, right? Right. And Spider-Man is like the super nerdy guy that is always picked on at school and he's shy and then he gets to turn it all around and get these special powers. So this is the roadmap that we're familiar with. And I love that they managed to give us some elements of a similar personality in Kamala or Kamala. But, you know, she's unpopular, but she's not necessarily shy. She still puts herself out there. She has this amazing other talent doing weird YouTube fan art videos. Like, she's not just the cookie cutter stereotype of a Mm -hmm. high school weakling who is going to then make good once she gets her powers. And Mm -hmm. I really liked those additional layers, I think. Yeah, totally. I know I'm jumping ahead to more comments on character. I apologize.
0: (laughs) That's okay. Well, let's just talk more about, okay, so Kamala's main influence idol is Captain Marvel. What do you know about Captain Marvel? Or what did you know before watching this? Anything? I don't
2: think I could have picked him out of a lineup, honestly. First of all, Captain Marvel is a girl. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So I did know that much. I (laughs) saw the Captain Marvel movie because I was pretty diligent about doing my Marvel homework as a good consumer of culture up until the second end game movie or, you know, uh, well, maybe you don't. I don't know. Uh, so I watched the Captain Marvel movie and I wasn't super into it. I was really interested to hear how enthusiastic Brie was about it. And she made me want to revisit it. Like maybe mm-hmm. I was just reaching the end of my Marvel tether and so I didn't give it enough of a chance Mm -hmm. Um, but Captain Marvel was definitely a lesser known character to me and it sounds like you didn't have any experience of her at all
0: nope none and I didn't do any homework either um so how do you think um the show creators did in integrating like the Muslim American identity into the superhero mold.
2: We talked about this a little bit up top, but I just loved how it was simultaneously casual and momentous. And I think that was a really delicate line to walk. And I think it was done very successfully. Speaking as a white woman who Cannot directly compare it to any of my own life experiences. What did you think?
0: Um, I liked how the,
2: are they FBI agents or like detectives? I don't know. Yeah, they had some acronym. It was like Department of Blur to Blur. I don't remember.
0: I liked how they were the bad guys and I also liked how they were like well the FBI is already surveilling the mosque so I don't know some of those based on reality things were kind of funny to me because they were so flipping the typical script around.
2: Right and self-aware and not pretending that the story is taking place in a world that is not our own.
0: So going back to your thoughts on Superman, um, do we need more or fewer teen superheroes? I think you mean Spider-Man. I love this. (laughs) Is Superman not even in the Marvel?
2: No, he's a DC character.
0: Yeah. See, I don't know anything about nothing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So again, this is all coming filtered through our fascinating conversation with Brie, where she gave me a sense that I could be a little freer in what from the Marvel universe I choose to consume and when I choose to consume it. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I had felt such pressure because they've created this intensely interwoven universe to consume every part of it so I could understand every part of it. Mm -hmm. So With that sense in my heart, I like that Marvel is giving all these different access points to pull different sorts of people into superhero stories. Mm -hmm. But given that, it doesn't seem to fit with this larger interconnectedness. Because I might be really grooving on Ms. Marvel and loving the way it's presented. But it still feels like homework if I have to go and watch all the other stuff now, you know? It's
0: just so much content, hours and hours and hours of it. Yeah. I feel, well, I don't even know the real difference between Marvel and DC. Sorry, (laughs) listeners who are uh, comics heads. Yeah. It's, it's overwhelming for sure. I need like a, you know how sometimes at the beginning of a very dense novel, there'll be like a family tree Mm -hmm. before like the table of contents. I think that's I need to see like a poster with all the relationships between the DC comics. I mean, oh my God, the (laughs) Marvel comics and like pictures of them to get it all straight.
2: I think that's a fabulous idea. Just like a giant Marvel family tree mapping out all the relationships. But do we like, do you find yourself satisfied with like this level of grasp of the material? Like it sounds like you're still enjoying it despite not knowing who Captain Marvel is, right?
0: Oh yeah, I could get into it. I'm sure there's like deeper levels to enjoyment of this show, but I I enjoyed it not knowing any background.
2: I'm not sure what the return on investment is for the amount of time and effort you would have to put into learning these relationships just to be able to understand like a single Easter egg at the end of a movie. Like maybe that's what makes it seem even harder and more pointless to me because ultimately I'll be like, I watched an entire season of Moon Knight so I could <laughs> understand that like five second thrown away line. I'm not sure. I, I think that's worth it. Right, right.
0: <laughs>
2: but that's a long way from here. We're talking about Ms. Marvel and it sounds like we're both at least enjoying it on the surface.
0: Yes. Yeah, so who among the cast members did you most
2: enjoy? I know you want to talk about Kamala's best friend, Nakia. Yeah, she was really good. I thought she was great. She was kind of the teen spokesperson for the value of her faith in her life. And she made a lot of subtext text, which maybe to a lot of people wouldn't be necessary, but I thought it was done with a very light hand through a really compelling character and I just uh really liked the job the actress did playing her. Mm -hmm.
0: I also liked the best friend Bruno and um Comron the crush and even like like the parents like like the mom was good, the dad was good, like the... Oh, and the brother and his fiance, they were really kind of adorable too.
2: Again, there's a level of nuance here that I really appreciate because like the two-dimensional portrait of Kamala's family is that they're very conservative and she feels constrained by that. Mm-hmm. But then we see all these little moments of ways in which her family is actually really breaking out of stereotypical conservative molds. Like, They're making choices that are best for their family. They're making an effort to relate to each other any way that they can. There's a particularly adorable moment when Kamala's parents try to relate to her love for the Avengers. And I thought it was just so sweet and just so much more nuanced than I think we're used to seeing in these teen properties in general, but superhero properties specifically.
0: Right. Um, I do have to put in a shout out for uh, one of the cops, Ariane Moyad. He's, he plays Stewie
2: on Succession, that actor. You probably haven't watched that. I haven't watched it. <laughs> is he like one of the agents that is interrogating? So you Yeah, to- he's the
0: first one you see. So let's talk about the look of the show. This was a show that had a TV budget, but if anyone has money for effects, it's Disney. I think, I feel like there's two separate things. There's like one that kind of like, it's live action, but there's like animation sort of integrated into it when you see how like the world view of Kamala. And then related to that is when the characters are corresponding on their phones, the text of their text messages shows up like in the scenery. But then there's also, which I liked all of that, but then there's also the superhero effects.
2: So maybe we should consider them one by one. Yeah. I also really liked the attempt to show text messaging in a new and different way we hadn't seen it. Mm -hmm. I thought that was effective. Mm -hmm. I did worry a little bit at the pilot because the way you're introduced to Kamala is through her fan art videos. Mm-hmm. And then in her, one of her early conversations with Bruno where they're walking around the city and talking about Avenger con, you kind of see these exuberant images of what she's talking about showing up on the walls and the environment behind them. Mm-hmm. And for a moment I paused and I thought to myself, Am I actually sick of this mixed media presentation Mm -hmm. that we've been seeing lately and talking about with quite a bit of enthusiasm since maybe uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines? Mm -hmm. There was a moment there when I thought, oh no, is this now too much for me? Have I had enough and do I just want a straight ahead story? So I was glad to see that they cut back on that a bit and they pretty much limited it only to text exchanges after that, mm-hmm. which I was fine with. What Did you have any thoughts about the kind of unreal images that were going on with them?
0: Yeah, I liked I liked it. I still feel like it's pretty novel, even though we've seen it in several different shows by now, shows and movies by now. Kind of a funny aside, like I watched it with Jeremy and when the characters are going on a bike ride and there's like all sorts of animation on the buildings around them, Jeremy was like, do you think that's what Tony sees when he's on a bike ride? Because he has like a wild imagination. And is always like pretending stuff. So I kind of liked thinking about it that way.
2: I love that so much.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: what did you think of the more superhero effects? I thought they were fine. But again, when like the exterior villains came in in the third episode and they had kind of some outlandish super comic booky, over over-the-top weapons that they were using, mm-hmm. that was the first moment that like really took me out Mm-hmm. To be like, oh, whoa, now this is feeling a little bit more like your standard superhero story.
0: Mm-hmm. So what did you think about the length and the structure? These episodes are longer than the regular TV shows we usually review. I usually were into the 30-minute shows. And also, it's a mini series. I guess two-part question like do you think this would have been better executed as a movie and what did you think about the length of each episode
2: it's really hard to separate my own feelings from my speculation about the reasons behind those choices being made Mm, mm -hmm. I didn't have a problem with the length because I was I was invested Mm mm-hmm and since I haven't really been going to the movies, like maybe having it as a limited TV series is more effective just as a way to get me, as one person in the world, <laughs> to watch this show. I guess it was just really hard for me to get away from the prestigey element of it as a miniseries being a way to hook us into like future... Marvel iterations Mm -hmm.
0: I thought there was a lot a lot a lot here so I thought it was I don't
2: think you could cram it all into a movie.
0: And the episode length, I mean, my kids are older, so they can handle watching a 40 or 50-minute show.
2: Yeah, I think at this point, it's impossible for me to not bring my kids' reaction into it. Like, mm-hmm. They're not here for 40 minutes of a 45-minute show being exposition, essentially. <laughs> mm-hmm. that That's not... You can't hook them into a superhero show that way.
0: Were you able to cast the Gertie HBO reboot? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Do we want to talk... About what movie or show that uh, this compares to first? I want to hear yours first because
2: mine is very weird.
0: Okay. Well, I thought about Rami on Hulu. And then I also thought more tangentially about Loot on Apple TV. Have you seen that with Maya Rudolph? I've only seen ads for it. So it's about this. I mean, I think it's based on Mackenzie Scott Bezos's life a little bit. Um, So it's this lady who is living this really frivolous life and then she realizes that she has basically a superpower, which is all of her billions of dollars. So just that like self-discovery piece made me think of it. How about you?
2: I was really focused on the whole like realizing as a teen or as a young adult that your parents are fully realized human beings so weirdly i thought of the seth rogan movie from years ago uh where he and his mother played by barbara streisand go on a road trip oh <laughs> it's called the guilt trip and it's full yeah. of all these little like comedic moments of him realizing that his mother does not just exist as his mother like she's an actual human
0: that's funny that's a good one now are you able to cast the gritty hbo reboot i
2: struggled with this a lot and part of it i think is structural okay so my initial thought was it would be fun to see like a badass older lady playing kamala and i thought of archie punjabi from the good wife Oh, yeah. Um, Because the character she plays, Kalinda, is like so sort of sharp edged and also mysterious Mm -hmm. that I thought that could be a fun take. But then I was like, well, maybe I should try and find an actress of Pakistani uh, descent to play this role. So I fell down a rabbit hole and I realized that like 97% of the people in Hollywood that I recognize that are of Pakistani heritage are men. So mm. then I just got kind of depressed. Not that I wouldn't like to see Riz Ahmed or Kamal Nanjani in like a slightly more mature version of this story. If you catch my wiggling eyebrows on the mic, you understand what I'm getting at. But my point is, I was disappointed <laughs> I didn't have more ladies to choose from.
0: That's funny. I did cast Riz Ahmed as Kamran, the crush. <laughs> <laughs> So I see where you're going. I also couldn't really think of any Pakistani actresses. So I went with Priyanka Chopra Jonas as Kamala. Does she act? Isn't that her thing? Oh, I have no idea. Isn't she in like Black Mirror or Black
2: Widow or something like that? I, I don't think she's in Black Widow because that's all Russian people. Okay. <laughs> um, And then I would
0: cast Jay Duplass as Bruno. Oh, he
2: has the look. Was
0: it better when we were kids?
2: No, no. We didn't have superhero stories about women. We didn't have superhero stories about people of color. I mean, to be honest, at that point, we barely had superhero stories. So your mileage may vary on whether or not that was a better situation.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the closest thing we had that I ever got into was Shira would you ever watch this alone voluntarily?
2: I fully plan to finish the remaining three episodes. I think Kevin will watch them with me. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah,
0: I would definitely watch it. Is this... Okay, because it's a miniseries, is this it or will there be another season?
2: I don't know if there will be another season. I think if there is another season, it won't come until after the next Marvel movie or the first Marvel movie that they're planning to have Ms. Marvel in, which, ooh, I read the title of and then I immediately forgot because I was like, oh, it's just Marvel Teen Force. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but it has a more impressive sounding name. So there'll be a movie before there's another series, if there even will be another series. I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids.
2: I already kind of said that my kids are too young. Uh, the shows mm-hmm. just straight out are a bit too long. And for better or worse, like they kind of need the schlocky superhero content to keep their attention. I think for a certain kind of boy older than mine, this might be a nice way to like hook him into female centric stories in a way that doesn't feel like homework. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about your kids? Yeah.
0: I think they would like it. I would have no problem with them watching this. Ratings
2: 4.5.
0: Same. 4.5.
2: That looks good. Unexpected fun. Mm -hmm. All right, listeners. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2 and a special thank you to Brie for chatting with us about Marvel and opening up our eyes to a new way to consume superhero content with our kids. Please go ahead and check out our website at myscreentime2.com and also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. You can find us on pretty much all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even Gmail at my screen time too. Send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, general comments, or listeners, if you have a unique way in which you approach screen time with your kids, we'd love to hear about us. Hear about it. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies on TV we watch with our kids because we have to, and sometimes too. because we like to.
1: Screen time! Screen time! Screen
0: time! my screen time too!